Hey guys and girls, this Saturday, October 22nd, I'll be heading down to the Mystery Island store in Birkenhead, Liverpool to do a live meet and greet from 2.30pm. Information about this can be found on my Facebook page, Flash Morgan Webster, or on my Twitter, Flash underscore Morgan. Here I'll be signing autographs, taking photos, and pretty much saying thanks to all you guys who have helped me out on my way back to Malice. So if you're in the Liverpool area, oh hell, even if you're not, how about you pop down to the Mystery Island store on Saturday, 22nd of October, and come and say hello to the Modfather. Hello sexy people, welcome back to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. As always, I am the mod father of professional wrestling, Morgan Webster. Or in this case, this weekend, I was a commentator trainer. Yep, that's why I'd say commentator facilitator maybe. But yep, down in the Dragon Pro Wrestling School, down in Wales, helping some of the trainees down there to uh, learn the craft of commentating. I'm not an expert, of course, but uh, these guys want to get involved in it. They, they don't want to be in the ring. They don't want to be the centre of attention. They want to be a person there who helps to uh, commentate, to help paint the picture and help you guys when you're watching the show. That's all they want to do. They want to be involved in it. That's what they love. They love the media side of it. And I thought, well, I say I thought, uh, well, Bo messaged me, said, do you, mind, do you mind doing this? And I said, of course not. I'll pop down and be great. So I popped down on the Sunday where they had the wrestling show down there. And their show was absolutely fantastic. It's a true testament to how good Wild Boar's training is. So if you're down in the Wales, down in the West Country, 100% definitely pop down to the Dragon Pro Wrestling School and check them out because he's he's pumping out some great, great trainees down there. Some great students coming through there. Just testament to how good and how much work he is actually putting in. So yeah, definitely pop down there. But yep, yeah, spent last night helping them uh, crack, decipher understand the fundamentals of commentary and they're going to take it upon themselves now to try to uh, to apply this and learn a bit more and hopefully the next time I pop down we can we can have another session and I can see how much they've uh, come on because it is about self-learning. I learned a lot on the road and hopefully they can learn a lot from each other as peers and just fundamentally get down. But yep, that was my weekend. So yeah, commentator uh, trainer, that's what it was this weekend. But uh, apart from that, more importantly than that right now, for the next 45 minutes to the hour, to the hour and a half, who knows, you know though, that I am your host, or as I like to see it, facilitator, see, let that on, facilitator to these chats, discussions, gatherings, you know me, I love that word, gatherings, with my wrestling favourites, or they're your wrestling favourites, they're my wrestling favourites too, I've got them on the show, when I'm on the show otherwise, they are wrestling favourites, but more importantly to me, they are also my wrestling friends. Of course, this podcast comes to you free Free, 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 no money, absolutely free. Every Wednesday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever, wherever, wherever you get your podcast from. But please be sure to rate, subscribe, review. I am going to pop something up on Facebook. I said I was going to do it last week. I didn't. I'm going to do it this week. Maybe like a, a competition for people who pop a review up. I'll explain how you do it. And maybe uh, maybe you can win a t-shirt. So yeah, maybe I'll give something back for you helping me uh, push my way up those lists. That's what reviewing does. It helps me push my way up those lists opens me up to new listeners, and it does help me build this brand that is the podcast. But yeah, please be sure to rate, subscribe, review, and do whatever you can to help us get a name out there. Of course, if you are enjoying the show, then please reach out on social media. I'm on Twitter at Flash underscore Morgan, as you already know. Or if you do want to pop over to the email, I am Flash Morgan at live.co.uk. Please, both of those, use those channels 
to tweet me. Love to see the tweets. Love to see the emails. Let me know what you think of the show. How much you're enjoying it. How much you're loving it. But of course, if you do want to be banned of the week, if you do want to play us out at the end of the show, then please jump over to flashmoment.live.co.uk and submit yourself, submit your friends' band, submit whatever. If you're an unsigned band, I want you on the show. Please, I want to try to help independent music as much as I'm trying to help independent wrestling. So yeah, please be sure to do that. Of course, as I said, this podcast does come to you free every Wednesday. But please be sure, if you do want to help out, if you do want to say, Flash, I'm loving the show, I'm loving what you're doing, then please jump over to morganwebster.biggartel.com and pick up a t-shirt, pick up a picture, pick up whatever. Because anything you buy on there really does help me keep this podcast free and does help me on the road to recovery. Speaking about keeping this podcast free, big shout out and big thanks to our sponsor, Parts Unknown. Parts Unknown is a pro wrestling t-shirt company that holds some of the brands to some of your favourite pro wrestlers. I'm going to give them a bit more of a plug during the show and go into a bit more detail. But yeah, definitely check out www.partsunknown.co.uk. They've got loads of superstars on there. We have loads of t-shirt brands. A lot of the t-shirts are exclusive to that site. And, you know, not only are you helping them out, which in turn help me out because they help keep this podcast free, but, you know, the boys are on there as well. The people you love are on there, so please be sure to go over there, check it out, buy a t-shirt, support British wrestling, because I absolutely love British wrestling, and I hope, if you're listening to this, that you uh, you love British wrestling too. But yeah, fantastic. Okay, now the plugs are out of the way. Now the uh, introduction of what my weekend was all about is totally out of the way. I'm joined by one of my absolute favourites, and I mean this, one of my absolute favourites that I've met through wrestling. I'm joined by Mr. Mark Haskins. Enjoy. Can I swear on this? Yes, 100%. You can swear. Do you want to get your system now? No, I'll leave it. (laughs) Sprinkle it in. Little little treats. I love it. (laughs) Great. So, uh, Mark, appreciate it. Thanks very much for... uh, for having me in your lovely home. No, thank you. Thank you for coming down. Yeah. Always lovely to see the Haskins family. I ever met the pets, so it was great to meet uh, Pirates, Frank and... Theo. Theo. Nice yeah. to meet Yeah, no, they're all great. Um, Yeah, I love them all to death. Bless them. Furry little critters. But, like, I do feel like I want to get some more uh, dimension to their faces. Though, <laughs> they're you know, the flattest creatures <laughs> in the world. Their faces like, are just... Frank's a pug. Um, <coughs> Theo is... Yeah, like, do you even know, like, if, like, what the names of different types of cats are? No. Because, like, I could tell, like, you know, I list off however many different, you know, breeds of dog. I didn't know that it comes to I didn't know this until like, somebody oh, started saying, like, there was different types of cat, and I was like, is there? <laughs> and I don't know if that's my ignorance, because I'm a dog person, 100%. Right, right. like, I'm, I'm thinking of how I can describe Theo, other than he's just a flat-faced cat. Isn't he, yeah. like, isn't he that cat? He's like, isn't there a show where there was a cat with a flat face? Uh... I don't know. I'm sure there was some sort of kids show that had a cat with a flat face. I'm no idea. I'm like the nearest thing to a caveman that I know. Yeah, so it's very I'm true. Well, so Mark, how did you start off in uh, in wrestling? Um, so like most of us, I was a massive fan when I was a kid. When I was nine years old. Um, a friend of mine called Andy came around to the house. And like we we're, we're best mates because we went to the same church. Like my dad's a preacher, so I grew up oh, in the know. church. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the wrestling? I like both my mum and my dad were super supportive of it because um, my mum wanted to be a ballerina and ended up as like a 
Like she's the nearest thing to Dawn French that you could find while oh, really? being yeah, like while across with Alice out of Vicar of Dibley. Oh. If you cross those two characters you got my mum. She's like this lovable little country bumpkin that's grown up in the same country town her entire life. And she wanted to be a ballerina and she never like got that, right? So she always said, like, we're just gonna push our kid in whatever direction he wants to go in and when I told them like I wanna be a pro wrestler like everybody else, they were like, like, really? Like, okay, like, you know, but my mum believed in me. She was like, if you want to do this, you'll do this. And then um, when I was 15, I asked her if we could, I could start training. And she was like, yeah, like, absolutely. Um, and my relationship with my dad wasn't great at the time. Like, we just didn't really talk that much or spend much time together. Different, so, different, different people, maybe? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I don't know if I was going through, like, the rebellious teenage years of, like, you know, fuck you, dad. Like, like I never felt like that. Do you know what I mean? But, like, we just... We just didn't get along, like, um, so mum thought it would be a great idea for us, like, him to take me, uh, to training school because it was, like, a way for us to bond and, yeah. you know, it was more of a, a manly thing rather than, <laughs> like, showing up at wrestling training with your mum, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you were like, ah, uh. but, um, no, like, so, um, the, at the time, I, I, I was a fan that used to go to, like, a lot of British shows, like, the old FWA shows and that. Um, and I thought they were like the best shows in the country at the time. Like my knowledge of the, the country was limited, but I fucking love these shows. So um, when I found out that they had a training school, I was like, "This is no brainer. If I want to be on these shows, then I, I want to go to this school." Where, where were you living at this point? So we lived in um, this quiet country town in Oxfordshire uh, called Farringdon. Um, now the, there was a training school, I think, about like ten, twenty minutes away in Swindon, um, and there was other ones that were closer. Uh, as well but I just I had no idea who any of the guys were who had like come out of it and that and I was like was, I, that, was that for FW? Um, it might have been it might have been whoever the company was just before them because I think there was another company it's like uh, I don't know if it was UCW or something like that okay um, yeah my, mem- my memory's shit at the best of times so, um, but anyway like um, I was like I want to go to the FWA Academy because it's where I'm seeing all these guys who I thought were amazing at the time, like James Tighe and Raj Ghosh and that. Yeah. And like, I remember like seeing them outside the training center and I was like, oh my gosh, it's James Tighe. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was it, just from going to you saw him on the Yeah, it was just because I went to shows and I thought it was, it was fucking great. And then, um, yeah, like just started training there and uh, yeah, it all, it all took off. So, Who was the head trainer there? Uh, Mark Sloan, like he opened the school um, and uh, yeah, it was really his creation, I think, from the... From the go, so who was in the who was who was in the training? Was there anyone in the training group that you came through? Because I spoke to Jimmy about this, and like he had Zach come through with him, and yeah. Yeah, was there anyone? Yeah, there was. In, there in was a group? lot of guys that trained with us, like on, on different occasions. So, for example, I think I did a training seminar or, or session with uh, Drew Galloway. Um, like Paul Birchall was in a, a session I was in. Um, PJ Black, who's now Justin Gabriel, oh, was another. Oh, yeah, I forget that he did a lot of his stuff over here. Yeah, yeah we. Um, I was in quite a few sessions with him. It's, you know, quite weird because I didn't really debut until after he'd left the country, so we never got a chance to work each other up until this past year. So, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. How long were you working? Before, how long were you training before you had your first match? Uh, three years. Who did I say this to? I was speaking to somebody else and they said they were, I think it was Pip, Pip turned around and said that he was wrestling about, uh, training for about two or three years before he had his first match, yeah. which I think is crazy now when I, I definitely didn't have that much training before I was putting a match, way too soon I was putting a match, but right. that's crazy. Who's your first match with? Um, myself and Tom Langford as part of the Chavs versus Ollie Burns and Mark Sloan, who were the Onto Rage at the time. Um, yeah, Onto Rage. How did the Chavs, so you were skins the Chavs? Yeah. How did, how did that come about? <laughs> 
Look at you laughing already. Because basically, like, um, the chaps at that time were, like, you know, um, probably the, the group that I hung out with most at, at the shows and that. And then just um, after I'd been training for so long, because Sloan wouldn't debut at Cyber. He wouldn't put us on a show until he felt that we were at a certain standard. So we were probably better than a lot of guys who were on shows already across the country but we just hadn't been debuted because he wanted us to to be the you know a, a, a package of some sort you were representing him and yeah he wanted you that's fair enough totally fair absolutely enough. and like i think that's the way that like in a lot of cases it should be because why would you want to put anything else like less than a you know a certain level of uh, caliber in front of like a, a paying audience do you know what i mean you should give them something professional and um you know they they are. Uh, yeah, we had to, so basically I hung out with him all the time. Um, I think he it got to a point where he felt like I was show ready. Like uh, he told us like if we got into good shape that like you know it would really help us out like getting on shows and that. So um, I think I asked for like a, a Christmas or my birthday for a weight set, and I got it. And then like at the back of our little garage, which was just <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> it genuinely was. Um, we, we had like old carpet that was probably like 20 years old down, right? Like it was cobwebby, like the place just smelt weird. And I just set up my, like a bench, which I stole from our old dining table and chucked it in the back of the garage with all these weights. And I was like, right, I'm, I'm going to be a wrestler now. I'm going to get super jacked or whatever it is <laughs> I need to do. I had no idea what I was doing. Like I just saw some exercises in like a, a magazine or like even a book and I was like, I'll do them. This sounds good. I, I did. I, I worked out on Christmas day one year where I got a new bodybuilding encyclopedia and found like that there was like four new chest exercises I had no <laughs> idea existed the chest is made of three muscles yeah. I had like a six hour workout because I was like <laughs> I, I need to get all of these things in and like giant like you know five or six sets of everything and however many reps like I just had no idea what I was doing early on and I like to think I have slightly more of a, a clean now but yeah that was that was pretty much how it started like um yeah I just went running every night uh yeah. Actually skinny or naturally chubby? Um, a little bit of both. Skinny fat? Yeah. One of those kids? Yeah, one of those guys. Like, I wasn't athletic at all. Like, like I said, like my, my dad's a preacher and, like, uh, um, a, a teacher as well. And my mum was a dinner lady. So, like, realistically, like, I had, like, no, <laughs> like, you know, athletic genes of, like, oh, yeah, my dad's, you know, Apollo Creed or something. <laughs> yeah, like, um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, I, I just started off by just working my tits off to try and get into a show. And then finally, yeah, Sloane, I guess, um, felt like the, there was an opportunity to move me into the Chavs. So I because I did a, re a year of refereeing before I actually started wrestling. No, see, I think um, that's a good thing. I think that a lot of people should do that. Because mm. I didn't, but I did do a little bit where I think I did. I hurt myself, and uh, which I guess is now a running theme, right. hurting myself. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, but I, 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 th I think for uh, about maybe a month or two, I did some of the camps and I just refereed on the shows. Right. And you learn so much from just being in the ring and listening and, and seeing, and it's a, it's a lost art, it really is. Yeah, yeah. So do you feel like you lot, you learned a lot from refereeing? Yeah, I defi yeah definitely. Um, I was working uh, closely with some of the, the top guys in the country at that time, so it was cool to um, be in the ring and watch how they did things. Um, and pick up little bits and bobs but also as well it makes you feel more comfortable in front of a crowd because you know you know that they're going to be paying attention to that anyway yeah. so you're really just you know it kind of help builds that confidence to then suddenly you know one day burst out in your little pair of spandex pants and be like hey it's me do you know what I mean like and I was a super shy kid as well like I was uh really timid like um I didn't have that many friends uh 
yeah so like um you know for me to then turn around and be like yeah i'm gonna be like this guy in my pants i'm gonna fight people you know it was i don't know i think it was very different to what i should have wanted to do character wise anyway so like you know being in, in uh, a referee for a year really helped build my confidence to then you know when it came time for me to be a wrestler or whatever i felt more comfortable than i would have done had you just pushed me through a curtain and said that's a good point no <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good so once you debuted with uh, after the day was it just after the way you worked or were you working no like sort of craziest thing happened is that the night that i debuted the leader of the chavs at the time um, got injured. So and was it? It was already a group before you before you came in. Yeah, it was. Okay. It was a group that had, had a, a run, um, which led to this weekend where one night as a referee in the, this tournament final match between uh, Ollie Burns and Dan James, the leader of the Chavs, I suddenly reveal my true colours, take out Ollie Burns, and I'm a, a Chav ref, right? Okay, got you. <laughs> so the next night I've got um, a tag match with Ollie and his partner Mark, and then. Uh, yeah, Tom Langford and myself. Um, and that later on that night, Dan James gets his big title match and uh, beats <coughs> then champion Dan Head. Um, and in the process, somehow gets injured like during the match. So he had all these opportunities coming up with like one uh, PW at that time, where they wanted to use I think him and uh, Harry Mills, who was the other chaff, because they were a team. Um, as you know, they they were going to start pushing them. So he gets injured. They basically say, um, you know we need a, another chav uh, and Langford I think couldn't get out of work for the day and he was like no I think like you should have it anyway so my third or fourth match like so my third match was like a, a steel cage match which was a part of the storyline that like was That's going on mental. between the two warring factions right? your third match was a steel cage match yeah yeah, I mean, I'm six years in. I've never had a steel cage match. <laughs> Dude, it was like I, I like, and looking at the match as well, I was like, I, I know that I wasn't ready to really give them something that was like, you know, a fucking spectacular match. But because I, I was more of a character at that time, I knew that I could still fit in and not look out of place. No, by, I got you by playing to a strength rather than and like hiding any weaknesses that we had. Right. So, um, yeah, that that was my goal at that time. I was like, right, I just. Ha- you know, don't be shit, basically. <laughs> and I might kind of get somewhere with this, right? So then, like, the the next show after that, we had a dark match for 1PW. Um, and, yeah, like, it, it pretty much came down to Steve Farina, who was booking at the time, um, asked Harry, oh, who's your tag partner? He turned, pointed at me, and he was like, okay, this is, you know, go do your thing. No, that's got to be quite um, mental. Steve, Steve Carino booking. Yeah. That's got to be quite mental. Oh, dude. Yeah. Four, four or five matches in, you're answering to Steve Carino. Yeah. Crazy is insane, right? Yeah, so uh, straight away, uh, like, um, we we did the thing with 1PW and they drew a pretty big crowd. And, you know, they were drawing like 1,500. Were they on the wrestling channel at this point? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, my ex-girlfriend actually um, saw me on a wrestling channel. Um, the same one that told me that I can ever be a wrestler. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out to her. Shout out to her. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's cool. I, you know, it, at, at the time, I was like, yeah, bitch, you told me I could never do this, and now I've done it. And Yeah, no. Yeah, you have to go through these little things in life, don't you? When... It's true. Mm. So from, uh, well, how was things with, like, with I've heard different stories. How was things with 1PW? Um, I don't really know, because I had nothing to compare it to back then. Mm-hmm. So to me, I just thought, ah, like, this is the wrestling business, you know, um, Looking back, I don't know. Like, I just see it through diff- such a different set of eyes now. Um, but I mean, like, uh, 
it felt like there was always drama going on somewhere, but like it was never directly in front of you. So how much of it was Chinese whispers and how much of it was actually unfolding? Yeah, you know, it, it was really hard to judge. Um, you just you always felt like a little bit on edge there. But I mean, everybody like looking back was like super cool. Like all the guys in the back, um, you know, you, you could get along with. Um, you know, and, and they had the craziest locker room back then as well. Like, like they had Sterling James Keenan, who's now Corey Graves, yeah. right in WWE. Um, uh, Steve Carino, he's working it, you know, and he's you're answering to him. There's AJ Styles, there's Samoa Joe, there's Christopher Daniels, there's the chat. Do you know what I mean? It's like such a, a crazy thing. Like Joey Hayes was around back then as well, and you know he's killing it now. But yeah, there were so what? many guys that just I know, like it feels like there were so many guys who are still in British wrestling now. You know, like Mastiff and that. But just starting out, they were just finding their feet. Right. Yeah. Right. So was it just one PW you were working then, or were you um, working other places? I think I think I'm, I got quite a few opportunities early on, so I broke out into quite a few different companies. But I think it was mainly Hal because of the Chav gimmick, and people wanted to book the Chavs, and me being the Chav that's available and not injured. So, yeah, yeah, I I really lucked in. I know you worked when well, a lot of uh, a lot of Mark Sloan's guys did when they first started. They worked a lot of premier shows, didn't they? A lot of promotion. Yeah. How was how did you find working for Fremantle and the round system? Yeah, it was cool. Like um, I, I'm a huge fan of wrestling. I can you know of, of every era. So like for me, it was super cool to be able to try and do something that was world of sport esque. You know, um, j- just in the sense of how it was, and you know, like it, it, the thing as well. Like I love it when there's a different dynamic to a match because you get to do something exciting that you can't necessarily do elsewhere. So when you're faced with, right, when you've, you, when you're faced with like six, five minute rounds, potentially you're, you know, it, it's more fun. It's more exciting of like what could or couldn't happen. Um, yeah. And I think it just helps you grow as a performer as well. I've been on, I've been on a few shows that have tried to do round matches, like as exhibitions <clears throat> on shows. And I never feel like they fully get over. Yeah. But then, I'll go, well, I worked for Fremantle for about three or four shows, and I, it, I've always been in awe over, over how people try that, the round system, it doesn't always get over. Yeah. Fremantle could run the entire show around these matches. Dude, they, he would have like, so many families there as yeah, well. Yeah, and they yeah, all the thing. It was, yeah, and like, people seem to really appreciate it more, I guess, in certain areas. Um, like, Worthing as well at that time felt like it was a different territory. Like, you went back in time in Worthing. You know, like, <laughs> you still had grannies who would jump up, run up to the ring and start caning, like, the side of the ring, right? Um, yeah, I made this one woman's, like, how as well. Because <laughs> um, she, she got up and she shouted at every, like, every wrestler and every match or whatever. And, like, everybody knew her as the annoying lady. So one day... Oh, so damn you. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, her. I know her. <laughs> right. And she'd always sit in the same place, like, front row. So, um... I think Sloane said to me, like, one day, like, you know, why don't you just, you know, like, I dare you to be a dick to her or something. I was like, all right, I'll do it. So, like, I, I can't even remember what the dare was, like, but I go out um, and I just start thrusting my crotch at her from, like, the second I come through the curtain, <laughs> right? And I'm doing, like, the most ridiculous stuff. Like, I'm humping the floor in front of her. And when I get announced, I run over and wiggle my crotch in front of her, right? At first, she finds it funny. Then she gets more and more angry. <laughs> then it gets to a point where, through the match, she's just silent. And she's just, for once, she doesn't say anything, right? Um, and I started to feel really bad. Um, so at the next show, like, once again, she's up. She's, you know, shouting at everyone. So I bought these two, like, um, 
I think they were like, what were they? Uh, you know, like whiteboards, like really small whiteboards. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like, um, yeah, I get this pen, and I, I think I wrote some kind of degrading message on this board. Like one was like, I'm with a uh, fat man, and then like just drew this picture of her, her fat brother that sat next to her, and like it was just this the most yeah offensive fat looking picture that you could imagine, right? right? And with an arrow pointing towards us, when I stood facing hard cam, I could be like, hey, she's over there. Right, and then the next one I think was like it said something on it like if you paid for that hooker next to you, I'd ask for a refund. <laughs> <laughs> Which I started waving at him, and yeah, they they were mad. From that point on, she she'd leave the room when my match was coming on, and not <laughs> come back. Um, and I was a very different person back then. But I'm uh, you know glad I've learned from my mistakes now. From your time with being the chaps. Um, I know that one of the parts where you really started to break out and I felt like this is where you started finding your feet was when you started teaming with Joel Redman. Yeah. So how did that come about and how did you find working with Joel? Um, somebody said we need a tag team. We're like, we could be a tag team. And that was pretty much it, I think. Um, there seems to be a running <laughs> gag. We've got nothing for you. Yeah, we've got nothing for you, but we kind of want a tag team right now. So, hey. Someday you're going to be stood... As tag team champion in like New Japan, and you're going, to be like, going, well, they had nothing for me, so I just. <laughs> I no, I hope I, I'm hope one day I'm like WWE champion or whatever, right? And it's simply because they're like, oh, everybody else is injured. We've got no one to give this to you. Like you're the last man standing. Here you go. Just, oh, okay. Running theme. Like, oh, that, yeah. But how, yeah, but how, how was Joel? Well, um, yeah, Joel. Uh, Joel's cool, like, I live with Joel, so we had a very brotherly You You lived with him. How did that come about? We both wanted to move to Portsmouth to continue training, um, and we would start to get really serious about it. I was 18, so I wanted to be in the gym, like, uh, the training room as much as possible. And that's where FWA was? FWA Academy closed, but Sloan said that he would keep training, I think, eight guys, um, or girls, um... He'd keep eight of us on to carry on training. But what were the eight? Do you remember? Uh, I know. I don't remember everybody. I know that Joel Redman was one. Um, you, of course, that's two. Yeah. I think everybody else kind of dropped away. Wade? Like, yeah, Wade was one. Um, a guy called uh, Jamie Brum. He uh, was one, but he left and went into cage fighting. And, yeah, he's he's now doing his thing with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I can't remember everybody that was in it. Uh, but, so basically, like, um, we both were moving to Portsmouth at the same time because we both wanted to join this this group of eight. Um, and we just decided, like, it, it would be easier if we moved in together because then we could just split the cost of every bill. So, yeah. like, I met this guy, like, maybe two or three times and then, like, I'm living in the same place as him, right? Um yeah, we just wound each other up, like, <laughs> we, um, yeah, it, it just felt like it was a brotherly relationship, do you know what I mean, uh, and, yeah, we just bounced off of each other all the time, um, I mean, like, we get along great now, but, yeah, there were certainly times back there where I'm sure we could have killed each other. <laughs> <laughs> but being, but being, you both 
up sticks and move there yeah. for wrestling. Right. So you're both very passionate about it. So that must be great to be in the <coughs> house with somebody who shares that passion, shares that drive. Oh, for sure. And like, again, he was a machine back then as well. Like, um, oh, specimen, absolute specimen. That, that totally. Man. Like, I'd, I'd watch what he do on a day-to-day basis with his diet and that, and the, the, the lengths that he was willing to go to, um, which I then attempted to join, <laughs> such as drinking, like, raw eggs. Um, yeah, because Rocky does it, right? So there's yeah. really, like, rock. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, we were really ill-advised early on. I look back and I'm like, that was horrendous. Like, we tried to mix... Because we were so broke at the time, because we, all of our money had just gone on, like, you know, this, uh, you know, payment up front for this this apartment that we, we're we, we working? Yeah, like, we, well, we were searching for jobs, but, like, early on, like, we had, like, zero money whatsoever. So we had to, you know, scrimp and save. So, like, however many meals a day were just protein shakes or whatever. Um, you know, we, we tried to blend tuna once <laughs> with like milk um, yeah we were like we need protein somehow like this is gonna go down so it was like oats milk tuna uh, i i don't know like genuinely just whatever we found that we had protein in were like tins of mackerel which i then attempted to like cook with eggs and bread and stuff and it just turned out and at no but... point did you guys think that you should just eat these things separately no no we <laughs> We're like, surely there's got to be a good way of like <laughs> blending these together. Do you know, like, not enough we're... time to eat, must drink. <laughs> yeah, like we were just so like dumb and yeah, young dumb and trying to follow these dreams that I uh, like. I think for the first uh, five or six months, I slept on the floor um, in a room, and then eventually I I got a bed from Harry Mills, who lived across the road from us, and um, he didn't have the screws for it, so my bed <laughs> my bed was held together with string. It was, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, like, I don't know why I didn't ever try and, like, really fix it. I was just, just like, ah, that'll do. You like. should have just bought screws. <laughs> <laughs> right? They literally cost, like, five pence from the DIY shop. Nah, not me, mate. String. <laughs> String. String, I'm telling you now. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we lived together, and um, Sim, uh, Joel, and everything that he was, he was trying to do training-wise, like, really helped push me early on to you know, grow more knowledge about what I'm trying to do rather than just 20 million exercises in the back of my garage at my mum and dad's house, you know, so, yeah, yeah. Crazy few years starting off. It was weird. That would be about, what, would that be 2009? You and, did you move down in 2009? Uh, I moved, no, I moved out of home February 2007, um, and then finally, I think I moved back to Oxford for a year around like 2010. Okay. So, yeah, I wasn't living with Joel the entire time. Like we lived there. I think we lived together for about 18 months, and then I think he left, and I stayed on for a little bit more. Um, where, was, did he, where did he go? He moved back to Devon. Okay. Um, back home. Uh, like the, basically, a point came where we had to leave the apartment that we were in because. Um, we just needed to find something that was easier and cheaper, right? Yeah. So uh, we decided we were going to move into the... We found a shared house with a couple of rooms and we're like, well, we want to stay together. Let's, you know, move here. And I think as we gave in our notice, the landlord filled um, the two rooms. So we had a week to find somewhere to live. So um, there were all, always these dodgy adverts in these shops in uh, a certain part of Portsmouth. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Rooms or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So young dumbass thought it would be a good idea to follow one of these up. So um, we go to this house. Uh, 
this Bulgarian guy who doesn't speak a lot of English <laughs> shows it's, us it's, around. It's usually immigrants that live in these houses. <laughs> well, there was two, and there was a guy who was a drug dealer uh, living across the hall from me. Um, are yeah. we are we are we talking? A bit, a bit of, a bit of weed, or are we talking hard we're, drug? We're dealer? talking. He's offering me ecstasy pills and waving them around in my face. Like this guy is shooting up in there. He's like, full <laughs> on. yeah. Um, so we had like nowhere else to live. So we're like, um, yeah. Like, do you need a reference for us to move in? And they're like, a reference for what? We're like, alarm bells. This is- <laughs> <laughs> we're not in auction anymore. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, we move into this place um, because we're like, at least if we're here just for a little bit of time, then we can find somewhere better right um so we keep looking for places uh yeah we're, we're living in a house with two um bulgarian uh immigrants i guess and like a, a drug dealer the uh the other bulgarian spoke pretty much no english and um suffered from ptsd um he so he'd get drunk in his room and uh i think i was like maybe 20 21 at the time like i'm just hearing this guy screaming and shouting and throwing himself around his room and breaking Fuck. things in the room above me right i went upstairs to use a bathroom like he came out he was covered in blood he started shouting at me in bulgarian um i like yeah i i didn't know what i, I was just like i'm i'm going to the bathroom he's like nah like you know shouting this stuff whatever um he, he then tried to, he got closer and I thought like, am I about to fight this guy? And he hugged me and I was like, okay. You must have been, you, 21, you must have been scared to death. Oh yeah, dude, I, I had no idea. I was like, what, what do I do here? Like, you know, should I go out? Like, I don't really want to. I'm tired. Do I just hide in my room? Like, you know, um, do I try and like stab him? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, I had no idea whatsoever. And then, uh, yeah, the, the, the drug dealer guy comes <laughs> out. He seems to get even more angry at him, like starts going for him. Like I'm, I have to try and break them up, right? Like, yeah, it, it got pretty mental. So um, the 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 dealer and me, I went and got into my car, drove off, and we're like, let's just leave until it calms down. We started looking for other houses, and yeah, eventually I think I just found somewhere one day uh, where they, when they were showing me around, they were they were they were. I think they were trying to make the door sound good because they were like, yeah, this door's thick as anything. I mean, there could be a raging inferno in here and no one would hear it. And I was <laughs> like, well, I like the guy's honesty. You know, if I am to perish in the, uh, yeah, a uh, uh, fire, then at least no one will hear my screams. Um, but yeah, so that seemed a lot more appealing than staying in the house that I was at. With a Bulgarian that wanted to uh, either hug or kill you. Yeah. Um, or himself. <laughs> right. So that, that would have that been... So, so when did... Because I, I, I overlooked this. I was like, okay, we kind of there. So we'll chat about TNA, which we're going to get to. But I totally forgot that you went to Dragon Gate 100%. So how did Dragon Gate come about? Um, they came over for a few shows for Europe where they did, I think, Spain, Germany, and then the UK. Okay. Um, Germany was with WXW, who I was working for at the time. So they wanted to book me for the show. And they put on a match now, which I would love to have like now, which was yeah. the Young Bucks versus Tommy and myself. Okay, that's yeah, right. that'd, be, that'd be fucking great. <laughs> right, like, so, um, yeah, they, they put it on. Um, I guess that I, I, I got to travel with the Dragon Gate guys that weekend, and then they saw my match with a guy called Kegatora on night two. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you were interested in coming to Japan. Uh, we want to bring you out here, and we'll train you in our dojo and that. Um, and then I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then the, the tours were negotiated over a series of months. You must have been... Like to me, like yeah. you must be stoked at like losing your mind, but to be to go, from, it. Yeah. to go from Portsmouth with the region Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, do absolutely. Like I um, 
I always wanted to go to Japan. It was, you know, a, a huge thing for me because I love guys like, you know, your Jericho's, your Carreros now who had been to there and, you know, really, uh, like, developed their craft and then tried to go and make their millions. Um, so for me, like, that was a career path that I wanted to take. Yeah. Like, I decided as a 15-year-old that this was a route I was going. So then when it, uh, it finally came up, um, yeah, I jumped at it. Uh, and when I got out there as well, they, they didn't stick me in the dojo. They are just like, no, you're on the... the the main shows now and I was like okay where, where were you living when you were at them? Um, I was staying in their head offices in Kobe uh, with Pac who's now Neville yeah. <laughs> so how do you find the language barrier with Japan because that like fucking it's appalling a- like <laughs> <laughs> like you are fucked mate like I'm not yeah um and they told me all the wrong stuff to say as well. Like, <laughs> I, if I had to, if I got lost and I had to ask somebody for directions, I was completely screwed, right? But I could ask for a blowjob in the toilet right now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm priorities, I guess. I guess that is, that is true. <laughs> how long was you up there? How, how long did you live um, there? February through to September. That's a good stay. Yeah, that's quite a long. Yeah, you like I was back for probably about nine weeks in between at certain points. Um, but yeah, I was out there a long time. How come? How come you didn't stay on the tours or continue to stay? I don't know. Just that's just not the way. T- just time out. kind of ran out, and then right. you, you came home. Yeah, like they, I think the first tour was seven weeks long or something. Then we were home for a bit, and then it was nine week tour, and then home for like three weeks, and then yeah, back out there for another six or seven. Was you the star attraction before you went out there, or did you become the star attraction while you were out there? Uh, before I went out there. Like, that was something that came around with the thrillers um, at a time, because we were all trying to identify ourselves as different guys, so Joel became the physical specimen. Um, Ricky Hype, uh, yep. who's now Ricky Martin old. Well, The Apprentice started yeah. back last week as well. All right. So, uh, all right. so there's this plug for Ricky. That's weird as well, when you look back at it and you're like, yeah, well, I was in this group with my mates who are all now like, super successful. You know, like, and he's like worth millions because he won The Apprentice and stuff out, which is crazy. Right, right. And fair play to him. Man. Yeah, like, yeah. He, yeah, even back then, like he was, you could tell how like business sound he was. Um, and yeah, that was so uh, like, yeah, the Star Attraction came around about 2007, I guess. But it just constantly tried to develop it and, you know, adapt it. So when I came back from Japan, like, I tried to add a new layer. Um, but I don't know. It is something that uh, you kind of look back on and you're like, ah, I could have done this so differently or that differently. And But that's, that's life in general, isn't it? And yeah. I feel that you use opportunities and you use experience to then influence what you do later on if you if you never you can't if you've done those things right then you probably wouldn't be thinking the way you are now you need to do stuff wrong or or differently than right. you would now to kind of learn and grow yeah and i totally like it, it's so weird because i was such a different person back then um inside and outside in what way like i was earlier like i was confused like in regard that <laughs> i was like where's he going with this <laughs> do no, we need like, to bring vicky <laughs> <laughs> no, like, um, just just in regards to, like, you know, when you're early, you can look back at yourself and you're like, oh, I just had, like, a shit attitude or, like, I was just a bit of a dickhead or whatever. And, um, you know, you make, like, bad decisions or choices and you look back at certain things that you've done in your past and you're just like, I just wish I could relive those years and, like, do something so different with it. But, but um, why why do you think you were like that? I don't know, I guess Taking just... Taking yourself um, too serious? 
nah, like, I think I just hated my life. Like, um, from the age of, like, 16 onwards, like, I don't really remember being that happy, like, at all. Like, per- I was, Personally? Yeah, personally. like, there was some nights where, when I was in Portsmouth, I, like, I'd just go for a walk and walk for, like, you know, two, three hours, um, and just walk around the entire city, and I was just fucking miserable, and I don't know why, um, I, I guess there were certain, uh, life, you know, things in my life at that time which I wasn't, you know, happy about and that, but, yeah, I was, like, super fucking depressed from, probably from, uh, you know, 17, 18, up until I was, like, 23, um, yeah, and especially when I got into Japan as well, like, I found that really hard because, uh, Pac was the only guy who really, like, spoke, you know, English, and with him being a Geordie, he doesn't really speak any English <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, th- there would be times as well where we'd fall out because we're, you know, we're in each other's shadows all the time, and, uh, yeah, so it, it got really hard um, at certain points, and, you know, uh, you know, there were points where I was like, oh, I just fucking hate this. Like, on Facebook, everybody's having, like, a super fun time back home, and you're like, I'm fucking miserable, and I'm meant to be living my dream, but I'm just, you know, I'm just not... And it's really fucking weird because uh, you can just be depressed and you can just be down and you got no fucking reason to be. But for some reason, you just hate everything. Today is uh, World Mental Health Day as well. So funny. Shit, yeah, no way. Yeah, funny oh, well. said that, yeah. I'm not trying to push it. But <laughs> I just, like, yeah, it turns out I'm... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, office, it's, yeah. it's true. It's, 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 uh, sometimes you can say I'm down and I'm unhappy. I have no reason to be. Right. But I just don't feel good. Right. Right. So it's... I don't know, I look back at so many of my early years wrestling where I'm like, I got to do so much cool stuff and I got to learn so much, but like, I was just so miserable, like, with everything that I did. Like, um... Do you think that kind of went, do you think that flowed into your wrestling a little bit? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, wrestling for me was always a thing that uh, made it worth it, you know, because the only reason why I was working at a shit job that I hated was Which was, because, what was you doing? Um, I was just folding clothes at a... a clothes shop in uh Gunworth Keys so yeah like one night you'd be you know in front of like a few hundred fans or whatever and the next morning you're up at 7am to go and do an hour of cardio before an hour of weights before you come home shower go to work at 10 work 10 till 5 in a job that you hate which you're fucking knackered in then from 5 till 6 get ready go to training train from 6 till 9 go home try and relax watch like you know tapes or whatever or if you're training until nine and you feel like you're a bit flabby, you go and do another hour of cardio after that until like the gym shuts at ten, I think. And then yeah. And do, you, do you reckon that unhappiness could have been from a uh, not not a balance? Didn't have a balance. Oh, I had no balance whatsoever. You know, like um, I was so you know uh, inspired to be a pro wrestler. That was what I was doing. Uh, a lot of this shit that's why I was going in for like two hours of cardio which I probably shouldn't have been doing or you know overtraining or you know um, staying up until like one or two in the morning because I was trying to like chill out or whatever and yeah those would be my hours where I'd either watch tapes or I'd just go for walks or try and get like lost in my own head or whatever and just try and you know chill out but it, it doesn't work out all is great so yeah so but, that's where the Portsmouth is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's but, but I know it sounds it sounds depressing to have, but it's it's great for you to hear you talk about this because the only ha- only Mark I've known really since we've become friends is Mark with Vicky, Mark with the kids, yeah. happy Mark. Like I said, we we've had hours we've been friends and been up and down the country together and I really do I think we've gone from being uh, guys who 
I remember getting the car, I was like, I've got a car with Mark, I don't really know Mark. Right. So literally, like, us then spending nearly every weekend, we'd be driving to a show together, and I'd be like, and I love looking forward to it, and I, and I love it, and, I, and it's, I've only known you with Vicky, and seen how happy, so to hear you that low, and you that depressed, oh, and now, and now yeah. to see how happy you are now. Yeah, it's well, just, yeah, I definitely feel over the past two years, that's where, like, I've, for one, I've chilled out, like, I know I have, because I've just not, taking shit so seriously do you know and um like my, my mentality has changed a lot like becoming a, par- a parent and you know just relaxing and just like m- the thing is is that i don't want to feel stressed i don't want to feel you know worked up or whatever like i want to enjoy this and i want to do this because i enjoy it like uh when i got injured at the end of 2014 um i was at a place where i was like i don't want to go back to wrestling like i think i'm done like i think this is it like it's mm-hmm. over where was the um, injury was this so I, I broke this finger. I t- uh, had two shoulder impingements, one in each shoulder. Um, then I partially tore an adductor muscle in my leg, which, yeah, still hasn't fully recovered. So I was getting pretty beat up at the time, and I was just feeling like shit. And I was like, yo, what, I'm, maybe this is just a sign that I need to take some time away and just, you know, excuse me. Like, for ages I felt, uh, maybe I should just take some time off and, you know, try and clear my head and that. So uh, Refresh. Yeah, so I went away. Um, well, you, well, before that, you speaking of injury. I I came in in two thousand and ten. That's when I started. Like I started like end of two thousand nine, just start of two thousand ten. That's when I started. And the only I knew of you because of the TNA incident. That's I remember when I first got online. and right. said Mark Askins. So let's just touch on that before we go into your injury there. Sure. How was that time in TNA and? That in that injury, the all the injury, the incident we were talking about, and people go look us up. Is oh, the shooting star 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 yeah, is one of the scariest <laughs> things I've ever seen. You're laughing. <laughs> you're laughing because you're fine. Yeah, but it is generally one of the scariest things. It, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, How was working for them first before you go into that? It was cool because I got to be in locker rooms with uh, legends, um, you know, of the biz. Uh, yeah, like um, on my, I did a tour for them before I got signed. Uh, where the first night I was expecting him to put me in a match with like a, you know, a local talent or something. And the match turned out to be Shannon Moore and myself versus uh, Jeff Jarrett and Matt Hardy with Kurt Angle as a special guest. That's referee. crazy. And like... I found it, Kurt, and I'm like, you used to have a toy of you. <laughs> <laughs> you are my world champion. Now you're refereeing my match. <laughs> You've gone down here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now is, uh, yeah, so that, that was pretty crazy. Um, and, then I think Kurt left halfway through and then Earl Hebner came out, which, you know, excited me as a, you know, <laughs> watching him growing up and that. So, uh, yeah, like, so that was cool. Then um, over the tour, you know, I, I, Flair was on the tour. Like, he bought me a drink at a bar one night, you know. So, like, the, TNA, like, had cool experiences because you were around, like, you know, guys who were shit hot or, like, legends and that. So, um, and, and you had, uh, you know, I, I was in the ring every night and from that point on with, like, Saban, um, Frankie Kazarian, uh, Shannon Moore again, and then I think at Wembley it was like Magnus and myself versus Beer Money. Um, so yeah, it, it was super cool. Um, and just just seeing what those guys go through on a day to day basis as well, right? Like you think about like uh, how hard do the guys work who are at the top, and then actually seeing it in front of you, you're like that's it's really inspiring, and that, that definitely put me on a a point in in my life there where I was like, yeah, like let's do this, like train twenty five times every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so no, it, it was cool. 
But yeah, moving on to the incident. <laughs> and if, and if anyone who's listening to this hasn't seen <coughs> hasn't seen the clip, it's go, available it, on YouTube. It, it is, and it's one of the scariest things I've I've ever seen. So you're in the you just set the picture. You're in you're in a match with uh, Austin News. Yeah. So the day before, I think I fucked my back. Um, <coughs> which, once you see the submission that he later puts me in, that day I couldn't even get up like a little bit. Like my back was like screwed. So that's how out I was that he managed to practically bend me in half. Um, so we're doing a match. I go up for the shooting star. I jump and as I jump, I'm like, something didn't feel right. And next thing I know, I crash down on my head. Um, I got like the big white sort of flash and for a second I started freaking out and I heard my own voice in my head saying like like calming me down I'm like don't worry dude you've just fucked up a move like you know chill out the match is like gonna be over in a second or whatever but he's but he's rolled away and as he's <coughs> yeah. rolled away he hasn't seen you land his back is to, no. his back is towards you so he doesn't know you've landed back. so the referee and you can see this checks on me is like are you alright and me being on autopilot I'm like yeah mate I'm fine like <laughs> so he gives Aries a go-ahead and Aries comes in, kicks me in the head, brain busters me and then bends me in half. Um, but like I, you know, I, and me as well, like looking back at it, I would have rather he had done that because that was the end. Yeah. You know, like, um, yeah, no. you know, like from me being in that position, I'm like, no, we're, we're getting to the end. I can deal with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause and when you explain this to people, they think we are the stupidest people in the history of the world. We but are the stupidest people we are. In, the, in the history but, of the but, world. But it, for some reason, in our fucked up mentalities, we just think, don't think about afterwards. And that's how we get through so much shit. And you just, you do just go into autopilot. You just go, okay, this is next. This is yeah. what I do. This is what I do. Once it's over, it's going to be over. It's just, I just need to get through these little stages and... yeah. Dude, there's been days where like my back's been that fucked that I can. So yeah. what did you, what did you fuck it off? Um, what the the day before? Yeah. Oh, like I think I took a bump on the floor somehow. Like I got super excited that because I hadn't wrestled in three months prior to that. Because uh, yeah, they stop you from working certain areas, uh, before you work a show of theirs if it's in the area. Um, so yeah, for three months I was at home just like you know training all the time and like blowing my mind and just. I wanted to get back so bad, and then uh, yeah, the I got. I think I was just on the outside of the ring. Got like took a fall, which hurt my back. Uh, they hadn't looked at it. They, they at first they thought it was a cracked rib, which I don't think it was because I had no problem like breathing or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the incident happened, and it was like the weirdest thing as well because I don't really remember afterwards like how I got to the back or anything. Um, apparently, I was speaking to the Brits and. Uh, then I collapsed on the floor, and if you ask the Americans, I started having convulsions. If you speak to the Brits, I was having a little shiver. So, whichever story you go with, that happened. Um, they put me on a stretcher. I then eventually came <coughs> in as I was shouting for my wife, and yeah, and they took me to the hospital. The hospital ride was pretty fun. I was led there, and Vic was in such a state, bless her. Like, uh, they were asking these questions and I was the one who was getting them right. And that, oh, come on, babe, you. I've just been knocked out of here. Like, <laughs> you, know, you can make more of an effort. Was that your last match for Tina? Yeah. Hey, lovely people. I just want to take a minute from our conversation with Mark Haskins this week to thank our sponsors, Parts Unknown. Parts Unknown offer a huge range of original wrestling tees, hoodies, and are home to the merchandise of some of the best in British wrestling. London Riots, Ryan Smile, Pastor William Eva, Jimmy Havoc all have exclusive wrestling tees on there at rock bottom prices. Hell, I was so impressed with what the guys at Parts Unknown are doing, I went and set up my own store with them. If that's not proof that I believe in this product, I don't know what is. 
So if you're a wrestler looking for the best place to design and sell your t-shirts, or a British wrestling fan looking for the best bit of kits, head over to partsunknown.co.uk now and pick up a bargain. And hell, if you use the promo code FLASH10, you receive 10% off. Not just my stuff, but anyone's stuff in store. So please head over to partsunknown.co.uk and use the promo code FLASH10 now. Thanks, Parts Unknown. You've tore it apart. So how, how well, a lot, a lot of people have probably seen this, but this, this refresh, if people haven't, how do you come into progress? How's you brought in? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this side is great. This, this side is great. And we're, as, I, I, this is going to probably be my favourite part of the whole. As part of a very young, angry group of guys called Screw Indie Wrestling. <laughs> and you're not very happy about this. <laughs> it was a culmination of however many years of depression I'd been through with general frustration that I wasn't where I wanted to be um, in life. And, yeah, I made a lot of bad decisions in those days, which, once again, I reflect upon and genuinely hate myself for. But, uh, and I think this is probably one of the reasons why, like I said, we've, we've become great friends, but I think at the start it was, I, I only knew you and, you and Nathan, and again, I'm good friends with Nathan now as well, through, through the screw in the wrestling. Yeah. And my, my best mates were Mark and Pete and Eddie, who, right. of course, were defending the wrestling. Yeah. So... We were like, well, this is supposed to be a positive thing. Why are you guys hating on it? Why are you doing it? So that's why. At first, I was like, I don't want to be anywhere near these guys because yeah. they're the the direct- bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> but but, we, but where did that where did that where did that hatred come from? Where did no like there wasn't any hatred at all. That was the thing. Is um, uh, it came about because Cruz and me were hanging out one day. We started trying to bounce promos off of each other because we were you know being super pros or whatever. <laughs> <Of course>. um, <laughs> Um, um, that, yeah. is, that is a term now. He's like, like, whenever someone's being too serious, go, oh, he's, he's been a super pro. We've quite that yet. Yeah, it was the creative meeting, do you know what I mean? For whatever. I don't know. Fuck. Um, so, anyway, we were like bouncing promos off of each other and we we're like, oh, we need to do something that gets us angry. What do we hate? And we're like, we hate like the connotations that come at least around that time when people said indie, right? So, if it was like, if somebody said, like, oh, why is that guy, like, fat? Like, you know, he's meant to be good. Like, why is he fat? And I'd be like, oh, because he's an indie wrestler. Why is he, why is so, he too skinny? Because he's an indie wrestler. Right. Yeah. And it just felt like it was used as such a term to just describe, or at least... Um, an excuse. Yeah. It, it, it felt like it was just an excuse as to why somebody wouldn't take this seriously. Because, to me, like, wrestling on any level, like, it, it shouldn't be degraded. Like, not that it is degraded by being called indie like i don't think that at all but i think that all wrestling on every level is a professional standard yep. right like i you know you see all these indie shows i say a day are not you know anything less than absolutely 100 percent professional yep. because all the guys on it are, you know from what i see are fucking great um but there was a stigma that was attached to it exactly um so it, it wasn't anything against anybody individually we were just like we're angry at this let's cut a promo. So we did, we kind of liked it. And then we were like, well, we kind of need to aim it at somebody. And at that time we heard of defend indie wrestling. So we're like, well, they're calling themselves indie wrestlers. So let's give it a target and make it them. Right. So we just did this promo at my house. Um, then I was like, oh, why don't we get screw indie t-shirts made? He's like, all right. So we get them made. And then like, they sat <laughs> in my that screw on, 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 on the, yeah. on the, is the funniest thing. <laughs> I remember when I first shown it and the boys were quite angry about it. And I went, that screw's hilarious. That screw is... <laughs> right, it was the dumbest thing ever. Like, I was just like, 
ah, oh, fuck it, like, let's design this. It's kind of funny, because I thought it would just be like a, like a piss tape. You know what I mean? can, can you remember, uh, can you remember Manson's one? Angle, oh, it was Angle awesome. Grind. <laughs> yeah, Angle Grinder. Angle Grind indie oh, wrestling. I wanted one of those shirts so badly. <laughs> like, um, but now, so like, I got these t- shirts, I made them, I left them in my house for like three months, right? And then I gave one to Cruise One on XRO, and I'm like, oh, here's one of those shirts. He wore it out on a show and then sold seven off the back of it. And we're like, this isn't even like a show that people who would, necessarily know what we're you know referring to yeah. would be here so we're like well maybe we got something so we re- refilmed the promo and i was like i do want to ask for permission but at the same time <coughs> even if they say no i'm probably gonna release it anyway yeah. because i've got these shirts now that i want to sell so i was like if they think i'm a dick i'm a dick and now i put it out and then off the back of that we got so many more bookings off of it we sold a fuck ton of t-shirts that i was not expecting to sell um and yeah we were like well we've got something here and what i didn't like at the time was there wasn't a lot of communication between everybody that was involved so i think a lot of it became telltales and shit and not everybody was necessarily working together um so it it just it was just a really frustrating time um well i think it was like mark and (coughs) eddie kind of like they said and they didn't want anything to do with it right and Unfortunately, then progress started to build. You guys were building a reputation there, and and it was. But the thing as well is, like at that time, I wanted to work with them. Like I was yeah. like, you know, um, I'd heard of uh, uh, Mandrews, and I'd seen him on shows that I think I've, I've been on a few, and I heard that he was, you know, getting a bit of buzz. And I was like, oh, like it would be cool to work with a group of guys because whenever I've seen you guys, like you always seem like you're a group of friends that are all like just having a good time and coming out into wrestling together. And I was super envious of that because I didn't feel like I ever had that. Yeah, like, yeah. I had like close relationships now with you know guys um who i got along with like um you know mark Simone was one of my best mates when i was in portsmouth he was my trainer like you know um he always helped me out and shit like you know joel redmond like i was close with at the same time like that we hated each other like it was just a lot of dysfunctional relationships no, that you, can, you know and then like so for me it was like ah well you know it's you know i, I was envious of what you guys had because you're this you know fun group of guys and i was like Oh, like they seem cool. Like you know, I'm I'm up for this. Like if it upsets you, fuck it. Like I'm kind of doing this anyway. Like I never meant it to be like a direct attack, but that's what it felt like at times it became, which I didn't want it to be. Like I was like you were just trying to find a new direction to take yeah. yourself, and and the frustration which right. you you had the same way. If I developed a character and I decided that he hated the rain, right? <laughs> I'm gonna go after the rainmaker. Like you know <laughs> like it's as dumb as that, right? Like, like, these guys identify themselves as indie. We hate indie wrestling, so you know indie being the the shit excuse, yeah, right? Um, but people didn't hear it as that. People heard it as we hate independent wrestling, which is never what I intended it to be. Like it, it seemed like it very much became a case of we're better than this. Like we fucking hate independent wrestling. It's shit, and that's not what I was trying. That was not the message I was trying to put across at all. Okay. Um, so a lot of things got you know misconstrued and. Yeah, it, it was just something that was just really hard to deal with, um, especially when it got to its final point. They kind of like that kind of started as Jimmy took the belt of progress. Yeah, that's when it kind of started fizzling out. Then, yeah, because Jimmy became the the ultra bad guy. Yeah, for sure. Progress. So then, I think that leads up to what you were talking about about a minute or two ago about the injuries that was about. So the, I collected a series of injuries, um, and from when I landed on my head and suffered a concussion, I had no time off because I've been kept at home. I decided that I was going to go straight back on the road because I needed to pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
yeah, I was working a lot of indie dates. Uh, so I had no, like no real time off. And um, for all of this as well, I was like, every situation that I've been in wrestling-wise, I've hated. Like, I just want to do this because I want to love it. Like, so I'm just going to take time away. And if I do want to still do this, then I'll come back and I'll do it. Um, but in the meantime, I'm just going to act as though this is potentially me done. Um, there was a couple of things, like Progress wanted to lead into something with Rampage and myself, um, which I'd always wanted to do. Uh, so I was like, ah, like that sounds cool. Like if I get back for that, and uh, I think I was still like a champion in Southside at the time. So I was like, I'll at least come back and you know relinquish the belt, right, or, or whatever. So I took time away. I re- all I knew was that I needed to rest up and just like think about what I wanted to accomplish and that. And I like I, I took a course while I was off to become a qualified personal trainer because that was going to be my next, you know goal was to go into that and then just when I was you know learning that like I started to think like you know there's really nothing that uh wrestling has that's like that you know like there's no registered you know there's no how can I put it like there's no one set way to be a wrestler but also as well there's no like method to help people train because you know when you do things like uh you're training for hypertrophy or like basically like muscle size that's not going to help you function when it comes to you you know being in a ring you know like bodybuilders look great but they can barely fucking move yeah so how do you you know at least look athletic and look like you know as close to a bodybuilder as you want to be um while at the same time still being able to do all the athletic as functional as possible yeah right so like um and looking it opened my eyes as well to a lot of like the mistakes i made early on in training where i was like okay there's no wonder why i'm like beat to fuck because i was like so overtrained here um, which you know, if you overtrain, that can have a, a impact on your uh, you know hormones and your body and that. Um, so, which I think probably had a lot to do with it. Like back then, is like you know, super hormonal yeah. shit all over the place. Um, starving yourself, like some of the diets that I did, I was just so unwell. Like when I look back at it, I was like, I should have been you know, doing this or whatever, like drinking tuna. Um, but yeah, so like. I took this time off, I was like, right, okay, if I come back to wrestling, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be, like, the wrestling personal trainer, and I'm just going to, like, train all the guys and get them, like, into, like, super fucking conditions. So you're going to be Simon Dean. Yeah. 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 Right? <laughs> so that was, that was the plan. Um, and then basically it got to, uh, I think the, I left it in September, came back in January, I was like, uh, I've taken this time off, like, you know, um, all the money that we had at the time I'd spent on rehab, I was like, I need to make some money somehow, like, fuck it, I'll come back to wrestling. I'll just do a few dates and it'll be like the retirement tour. Do you know what I mean? And pretty much, um, the, I had one thought in my head, which was like, if I don't use this time now to come back as something different, then all this time has been in vain. Because if I come back as the same person, I'm just picking up where I left off and where I left off wasn't somewhere that I wanted to be. So where do I go from here? And I was like, let's just be a fucking blank canvas, as blank as whatever, and let's see what grows. And I pretty much the day before I my first show back, I was going through a drawer. I was like, I need some gear. What am I going to wear? I found an old black pair of trunks. I was like, that'll do. Like, fuck it, I'll wear that. And then, yeah, that was how I changed my look. I tied my hair up and wore a black pair of trunks. No, but, that's, but you, you became you became a black trunk wrestler. Yeah. And not terms thing, but it is. It's, it's you, no, no, no gimmick wrestler you were you became the wrestler well like the thing as well is like i started doing brazilian <coughs> jiu-jitsu and uh, like thai boxing at the time and there was something there 
in re- like in, in regards to pacing and like rhythm and shit which i had lost sight of which i had very early on in training right like w- training with sloan was insane because you could you could feel the rhythm right of how of what would happen and how it would build and, and that which is something that people don't really talk about in regards to you know matches is like you kind of feel the pacing like you, you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah i know right? exactly yeah um so like when i came back to wrestling i just felt like i had this slightly different edge because i was like and the other thing as well like i noticed when i started training that i'm not like the kind of person that i would uh expect somebody deemed the star attraction to have characteristics like like i'm not a, a fancy in your face like flashy flamboyant over the top um kind of guy like i'm just this aggressive little bastard like um who loves to wrestle <laughs> yeah who loves to get stuck yeah. in and um yeah just just through training i was like i always try to get on top like why am i not just being that like why don't i just do what is most natural to me because that seems a lot more sense than trying to force something that isn't there so I just, I tried it and yeah, it just, something connected and <laughs> that's how I, I've changed over the past like two years, I guess. No, 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 because I can remember, uh, I came down for, I was on the show, but I came down for Super Strong Style 16 to watch the show. I remember you and Will, day two. Yeah. I can remember just watching going, who the fuck is this Mark, this is not the Mark Astin's I know. And I remember saying, uh, I fucking love this, this is great. I think you came back and I was like, that was fantastic. I was like. Love it, 100%. Love the crazy it. thing is, I was like, that's how we were training back in like 2007, but just because it, it never felt like I was in a position where that was something I needed to apply because early on I was skins and chav, and I'm like, what good's a chav if he's a technical wrestler? Like, you know, um, what good, is, you know, when I was the star attraction first time around, I was like a, a young, cocky, trying to be Shawn Michaels kind of <laughs> guy, like heel guy. Um, so yeah, like it. it it just I don't know like it, it just got to a point where I was like I'm just gonna try something different and just, you know uh, the, the real thing that set it off for me was the day one of the Strong Style weekend is Jack Gallagher and me we, I missed that but yeah I've seen, I've seen it back we, we looked at the, the rest of the card and we knew that like everybody's gonna go balls out and we looked at each other and we're like we're the wrestling match like we're just gonna go and wrestle because that's gonna be different to everybody else who's gonna like super brain buster each other off the top to the floor <laughs> you know what I mean um, so we went out there and like, like the first 30 seconds of the match I think is the like the very start of me building everything over the past year or so because we just go in there and we just like roll around technical wise and we just counter each other straight away and then come up and um, yeah everybody just seemed to be like what the fuck was that like just people didn't expect it out of me um and you know Jack's fucking insane. And you as well. You hear you, <coughs> hear the pop. The crowd and went. Right. I fucking like this. This is, this is good. I can wrestle and they and they, and they like it. Right. Um. So yeah, that was. I don't know. I I just felt like that was like really it. Where I was like, I feel like this is a fresh start now. Like this is like something different. Like it's you know a new time to, you know, try and just be something. You know, just be yourself rather than trying to be. You know, something that you're trying to force. Well, from there, then started your build, and it started your build towards the progress championship. Really, it was a nice slow build over the next year or two. Yeah. So, what matches would you say were the ones that made you well made the crowd say, "Okay, he's not the star attraction anymore." You said the Galga match, but what matches were they started looking at you as as the guy who's they're building for the belt? I 
I don't think anybody like I really did. Like I think it was just like Gallagher um was cool and then Osprey on day two. Yep. Um I enjoyed that as well. I felt like people were starting to kinda of get more behind me because they're like, Okay, he's like you know, he's switching shit up, like this is something different, this is something new. Um uh I guess they just appreciated that and then I won the Thunder Bastard that year, which I don't oh, yeah. think people expected me to win. And then I had the main event with Osprey, and because I think that was the first show where Jimmy hadn't been in the main event, like it, it felt like it had a lot more attention because it was like, how's the fresh like, yeah. main event scene going to start off or whatever, and then lost to Will, and then I, I just kind of felt like coming off of that show, people then were then starting to think like, all right, where am I going to go from here? The show after that, I worked uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Yep. Um, and I guess it just from that point on, everything just started to roll and started to build. And it, it felt like it became more of a question of like, okay, you're going to win it, but like when? And I just felt like I just want to carry on and join this. And, you know, uh, and like it, it got to the march of that year. And um, I was going into the payoff match with Rampage Brown, which I was thinking this after this, I'm just going to grab the mic and be like, thank you, that was my last match. See you all later. Right? <laughs> like pretty much. Um, I, I wanted to give him the big, you know, babyface rivalry, from, you know, win or whatever. Yeah. And by that point, I was like, oh, I kind of enjoy this now. I might stick about a bit. And like, you know, then uh, I think uh, download was coming up. I was like, oh, I want to go to download. Don't <laughs> ask me if I'll go. I'm like, yeah, I'll stick about till June. And then you know, the Thunderbust match was July, and then it just started going. And I was like, fuck, like I'm suddenly like love this more than I ever have done before. Like, um. Yeah, so I, th- that's why I'm like the super positive, borderline hippie guy at shows. Is just like everything's amazing, man. Like you just need to chill. Like this is awesome because I think I've just hated my life at so many different points in my career where I've been absolutely fucking miserable. That these past two years, this is as well. There's got to be like the most miserable sounding podcast. No, I think it's great. Like, it's great like, because, yeah, yeah. here's Haskins. He's miserable. As fuck. He's talking <laughs> about how shit his life was. Oh, I like to say it, it, it's here's Haskins. Tell us why his life was miserable. But now he loves it. It's, it's great. <laughs> but no, I think it's great because you're saying all this and like you love wrestling. It, and again, it's from that whole, you've got to be yourself. Don't be anything other than that. Just be yourself. And on the flip side, you said that you didn't have that balance of the personal life, didn't have the balance of personal professional. And now you have that as well. You have right. that with Vicky. You have that with the kids. That's something that I learned with personal training and being around other trainers is that like the, when you do something, like you got to do it for, you know, a... Uh, for a purpose like you've got to enjoy or like have a reason behind why um you want something so if it's you you learn pretty quickly like if it's not something that makes you happy though why do it like why fucking do it there's always another way like especially especially with how the world is now like Mm. why would you put yourself in a position where you're fucking miserable all the time and you hate your life if it's not giving you the results that you want when you could just simply change it and I'm super lucky because I'm at a point in my life where I love every single fucking day. And I love everybody around me as well. Like if somebody's a dick, I just got no time for them, right? I'll just you know, whatever. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like oh you know, get to hang out with like guys like yourselves every weekend. Like if the car rides weren't fun, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'd just be like, no mate, I can't pick you up. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? but um, yeah, no, like you know, I love every second of it nowadays. So. And I think yeah. that comes that, again. It comes across in your wrestling now. I think it, it does, and you, you enjoy being on backstage and stuff like that. And I think because of that passion, that joy in wrestling, it's turned. Like for example, America is now looking at you. Yeah. So like, Peter Ruggie, we'll we'll talk about that. How was it getting getting 
getting the book in for PWG and how was the experience? Oh, dude, fuck, like being out in LA, man, was insane. Like, I loved it. Like, uh, yeah. I think day one, I was really fucking mad because I had a, like, really shitty, like, cab driver or something on the way out and, like, there was some kind of confusion. I don't know. All I know is that by the time Mandrews rocked up with his first cold beer, I was like, oh, thank fuck. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, like, and just being around him as well, like, he's such a positive guy. You can't, like, you, you can't not be happy, like, just chilling with him, right? Like, he's, have you, have you, see, have you seen him when he's angry and annoyed, though? I want to. <laughs> I, can't I, think, I, think that's, I think that's when you know, I think that's when you know when you're real good mates with, with Mark, when, when you've seen the angry and annoyed Mark. I've heard, like, when Jim Hunter's mad. <laughs> shit's bad. I've, I've seen it three times. That's all, I've, really? I've, already known it, I've known it for years, so I've seen it three times. All right. What a lovely guy. <laughs> the nicest guy I in know. the history of the world. I can't imagine him mad. But he's good. But yeah, Peter. Sorry, we're diverging. Peter, so, Peter yeah, yeah, so <laughs> from Jim Hunter to PWG, <laughs> we're in LA, uh, hanging out, dude. Every day was just awesome. Like, yeah, we got to go to Gold's Gym in Venice. We walked past Venice Beach. Um, you know, we uh, we walked past Muscle Beach. Um, yeah, we're doing, we're just super tourists. This is something I've learned over the last few months from, you know, global. You've got, um, you've got, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll do. Like, I, yeah, I didn't realize how British I was either. Like, when I was in LA, the first place I found that sold a cup of tea, I lost my shit. I think it's two a.m. in the morning. We're in a deli's. I'm looking through like the menu. I'm like, oh, I just want a cup of tea. Like, that would make me happy right now. I find it, and I'm like, holy fuck! Like, guys, <laughs> this tea. You know, and then just like, huh? Like, what's up? Yeah, um, deli's is amazing, by the way, isn't it? I know, right? Like, some the, Amer- the Americans don't. The, Mer- the Americans really like. like they don't deli's. appreciate no, shit. No, they don't. We have nothing. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> they don't they don't understand the pain of being in a car driving down a fucking highway in the middle of the night having to stop at the services where everything is overpriced for you to buy something that you don't want to eat but it's the only fucking option Awful that you've stuff. got yeah like yeah why does everything shut at like 10pm do you know what I mean when you're a wrestler and you don't get on the road until like two ooh. minutes past ten <laughs> right like do you know what I mean it's um yeah I spoke, I, spoke to, I spoke to Pete the other day and he said one of the things that he absolutely loved when he, I'll probably get Pete back on here, but Pete OG was, he said that he expected maybe a few ripples or whatever when he walked out and he said he walked out to Pete OG and the place erupted and it must have been the exact same for you. You must, how, how was that? Um, yeah, it, it was pretty insane. I was expecting it to just be like, ah, no one here has a fucking clue who I am. Um, I walked through the curtain getting into a ring and then everyone started chanting, this is Haskins and I was like, Oh shit! You people know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, um, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, this is gonna be fun. You know, I was in there with Cedric Alexander as well. He's it was incredible. Oh, dude, he's sick. Yeah. And nobody, nobody expected you. To, I, I think everyone expected Cedric, didn't they? To uh, I know. I didn't expect to get as far as I did. I got through to the semi-finals. So it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what? Like, why? The amazing thing about the weekend as well is, like, it didn't matter what match you were in, because looking at the rest of the lineup, everybody else is shit hot. Like, they, you know, part of you wanted to be in that crazy 10 or 12 man tag match with Liger. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, how cool would that be? Or, you know, being in a ring with any of those guys, like, they're all fucking super talented. So it was, yeah, it was a super exciting uh, occasion just to be a part of it and just to get like I'm such a fan like I love just sitting at the back of a, a, a building and watching the entire show because um, why would you want to watch it on a monitor backstage when you could just get a DVD like why not experience it live exactly. because live's fucking awesome with how many good guys there are nowadays um, so yeah like for me I just got to sit back and like take in as much as I could and then you know go and do my thing and be a part of it um, yeah it was just a fucking awesome time man it's sick. 
And then, of course, you came back then, and then we had the uh, big show at Brixton. Yeah. Oh, dude, like, we had, like, a few superstar weekends, so I think I was, like, out in Canada. Like, oh, yeah, Ireland, of course. Like, Italy, I think, I don't know, fucking then show back is, like, Brixton, and it's, yeah, two and a half thousand fans. Yeah. And to think that you were all going to pack it in with, Ramp- with Rampage Brown. It's insane, right? Main event of Brixton, two of the top guys in the in the world today that you're in the ring with. Like, one's going to, you know... Wherever he's going, <laughs> <laughs> right? And the other just one bowler, so yeah. they, and they're both your mates, and they've both been around since very early on, and you've essentially grown up with these guys, and you know. And, and I, I don't care. He might be. He might be from. He might be from Holland, but they're both British. I don't. <laughs> I say that because he, he's he's grown up with us. Uh, uh, oh, for sure. Like so. he, he feels like he's part of. Yeah. You know, he's essentially a Brit because he's over here all the time. Um, but yeah, like uh, you know, Tommy I met and back in two thousand eight. Like I back, I knew him when he had a ponytail and like baggy shorts. You know what I mean? Like before he was a scary mean <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I'm super close with him and I'm super close with Marty. Like you know, uh, when I came back from Japan, I spent a year living at my mum and dad's before I you know met my wife and moved. We moved in together. Um, because I thought I was going back to Japan at that point as well. So I was like, oh, I just stay home for a few months. And then they're like, oh, well, maybe we'll push it all back a few months. And I'm like, okay. And then it gets to, you know, the month before, and it's like, well, we'll push that tour back again. I'm like, you just tell me you don't want me so I can realize I'm living with my parents <laughs> again. And well, I don't know. So anyway, like, uh, fuck, what were we talking about? Yeah, so during that, that year, <laughs> I was at home. That's good. That was it. Um, I went down to, uh, I'd still go down and train in Portsmouth and because Marty had moved to Portsmouth, I pre- pretty much ended up living with him like, you know, every week and just stay for a few days. We'd hang out, you know, um, go train together or whatever. And yeah, so, you know, we were super close. So being in the ring with uh, both those guys, you know, it, it, that was such a fucking cool moment for me personally. Um, just And for a company that you love as well in front of, Two and a half thousand crazy fans when you never expected British wrestling would reach that kind of fight again. And I reckon it's only just the start as well, isn't it? Oh, dude, like, it, we're on to something big. Like, it's it's insane. Like, I never expected British wrestling to take off. But like I was saying to you earlier, like, you just don't know who's watching and you just don't know when. Like, we never expected it to be at a point where it is now. Can we? Could you imagine what, like, a few more years would happen if momentum just kept building? Add zeros, mate. Add zeros to the attendance numbers. I, I was hoping zeros to the wage. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do that, <laughs> right? Like that'd be insane. Like imagine that. Like you just rock up in your like jet plane, stroll off. Like hey, Haskins, we're gonna do an interview right now. Like okay, here's my news reporter. <laughs> Hitchman, get my teeth. <laughs> oh, Hitch. But uh, I always, I always like to, I always like to finish up on this. Uh, if you were to give any wrestler starting out now or uh, your younger self advice, what would it be? Um, the best piece of advice I was given was uh, keep your mouth shut and your eyes and your ears open. Uh, I, if I was given advice to myself, I'd say don't dye your hair black and <laughs> you look really weird and stop thrusting your crotch at lonely old women in the front row um I don't know there's probably a lot of advice I'd give my younger self like what, what? don't be a dick that's a good one don't be a dick yeah you are the progress champion and the advice you would give to your former self is don't be a dick you know what I'm talking about 
No, I do. I, I, honest, I, I think. I think. Uh, I think we've. To be honest, I think you you covered the transformation, the realization of how you were and how you are now, and how yeah. like, the balance. Do like it. It basically came down to me being at a point where I was super bitter and just hated everything, and I, you know, I needed to get that out of my system, um, and just, you know, look at your life and just find something that you enjoy, and then just do that. Like it doesn't fucking matter what you do. Do you know what I mean? If you, if you were to tomorrow tell me, hey Haskins, I've decided to jack this all in. I want to be a fucking flower ranger, and I'm gonna, you know, be a world champion at it as well I'll be like alright let's do this man. well funny you should say that <laughs> you know what I mean like and that, that's the thing as well is like that's what I feel like I've taken from my parents that, who instilled in me like it, it doesn't matter what you do in life as long as you're happy um, and that's what I, you know I'll push to everybody and push to my kids is you know like it doesn't fucking matter what you want to do like nothing is no goal is like too far because if someone's done it then it's achievable and what makes that person any different than you you know, like you can have multi-millionaires whose kids turn out to be nothing and you can have people who come from nothing become fucking, you know, super successful. So, you know, why sit and dwell and hate your life when you could be doing something with it that you want to be doing? Do you know what I mean? Why settle for anything else other than your dreams? Fuck it. Yeah, that's, I, think, I, think, I, mean, I think that's perfect. That's, I that's, you know what I mean? And I, I don't know. I, these, I hope these don't just sound like ramblings of somebody who's fucking crazy. Passionate, mate. Passionate. Because <laughs> we're all right. a little crazy. That's, we wouldn't do what we do. I think but... we are. Like, why do we put on pants to fight each other? I've never Because they won't let me do it naked. <laughs> I've tried. So they won't, they won't. Right, like, if you were to offer me out right now, I wouldn't initially stand up and drop my trousers. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And be like, right, I need to be in my pants for this. Like, let's do this. Do you know what I mean? Like... I don't know, like it, it makes me more aerodynamic when I fight. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah. You wear trousers, what are you talking about? How, <laughs> I got a question for you now. Right. How the fuck do you move in those things that you wear? They they're actually they are actually tights. They're tights. But I said they are the tights that are made to look like trousers. Oh they're just really good stuff. Uh Ophidian's uh Ophidian from Chicago, his um his wife, maybe she's his wife now or girlfriend makes them Okay. So mega. But yeah, they're actually I tell you what though, I did say to uh Whiplash every day that uh, since I moved from trunks to uh, tights, I've had to up my cardio ridiculous because I can't breathe. They, they do not breathe at all. Oh. So, oh. I thought you were going to say they add more resistance. So <laughs> when you run, it's really hard. They no, okay. do not. They're just no air. Like, literally, I, I get backstage and I'm, I have to undo the trousers and get them <laughs> off as quick and get air because there's no air give there at all. So. You must be a sight to see you stood out the back of the venue. <laughs> you wait till I'm back, you wait. <laughs> right but no like whenever I see somebody who wears like I don't know like a suit to wrestle in or something you're like people you don't realise like how hard that is do you know what I mean Liger like, must absolutely die right like he, he must just be hot as fuck in in that suit because he's just covered there's no air right so right ridiculous where can they find you on the interweb Mark um Google it. Now, Twitter is at Fight Haskins. Uh, Instagram is at Fight Haskins. My website, believe it or not, is fighthaskins.com. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm on Facebook as well. But that's yeah. Mark Haskins Pro, because I can't change it for some reason. Facebook's being really weird. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll next time I'm around, I'll see if I can sort that out, because I think I might find a way around it. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Let's but, do it. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, thank you for having this chat with me. No, thank you for having me. You're an absolute babe. <laughs> <laughs> you too, darling. Thanks, babe. Let's roll sugar tits. Bye. 
Ha skins. Skins, skins, skins. He really is one of my favourite people. I'm not I'm not afraid to say that when I first met uh, Haskins, we didn't we didn't exactly click and that's probably because we're just very different people, but time on the road he really has become one of my favourite people to be around. Not just him, uh his whole family, Vicky. I spent a lot of time with uh with them and with his uh, son Jack and daughter Lily and I am he is hundred percent one of my favourite people. They're all they are they are some of my favourite people that I've met thanks to this uh, weird and wonderful wonderful job that I do. So uh but yeah, I hate saying absolutely fantastic, but I think it's just something I love to say because that's exactly how I feel. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And there was a bit in there as well uh, where well, there was a part where Mark kind of feels that it's, it's, it's getting a bit negative. And he says, oh, I hope this isn't coming across uh, quite negative and quite down. And I think that just kind of shows how much how much he cared and, and his full, his revolution, his evolution, his revival really through British wrestling, because you, you know yourself, it, he says he was ready to hang it all up, and he's, uh, he's gone on to become, uh, not just one of the best names in British wrestling, but one of the best names in the world, and, uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to say, really, I just, want easily one of my favourites, I was able to just sit down, chat, and I got a conversation with Mark that I wasn't really expecting, because he can be quite close, he can be quite guarded, but, I'm gonna say it again, people, absolutely fantastic, so please, please be sure to tell everyone about this one, if you've just listened to it and you've loved it, because I want to try to get as many years on this as possible. But yeah, guys, thanks for listening to that, and uh, big, big thanks to uh, Mark and Vicky for opening up their home and allowing me to come down and uh, just chat. I said before, if the only thing to come up with this year is that I got to uh, sit down, drink tea, lots of tea, we went through so much tea doing that conversation with my friends and talk about wrestling, then it's been a success. So yeah, this is one that I've absolutely loved and uh, yeah, thanks Mark, I really do appreciate it, thanks mate. Next week's guest might be, uh, it's going to be a little bit different, um, I know I like to have a lot of people on here that have a big internet following, but uh, next week's guest doesn't really have an internet following, next week's guest uh, you, a lot of you might not be familiar with, a lot of you might know him, which is great and you really should, but uh, quite a few of you might not because he he doesn't really have an internet following, he says himself as well that he's not really on social media, but yeah. Uh, next week's guest is a guy called Dave the Tank Stewart. Now, uh, Dave had a big hand in uh, in the early days of Hamlock. He was, uh, at one point, Andre Baker's right-hand man. The likes of uh, Finn Balor, Jimmy Havoc, Zack Sabre Jr., Danny Garnell. Says he's a, probably one of Danny Garnell's best friends. And he kind of uh, he played a part in, in all their careers, really, because either being the contemporaries or just uh, having a slight hand in training them. But, yeah. The guy, he also had a hand in uh, training myself and Wild Boar, and he's just absolute, absolute brilliant storyteller. But to be honest, he's a real, uh, real pinnacle point to me in this podcast series because I have, I did start this podcast because I do want to get on people that you know. I really do. I want to get people on the show that you guys know and you guys love. And you guys want to hear the stories, but at the same time, I want to get people on here that you don't quite know. I want to get people on here that you haven't really heard of or people you're not familiar with. I want to give you the chance to understand them, to explore them and to discover them. I really want you guys to just kind of lose yourself. And I feel that, you know, it'll be episode 12 next week and maybe that's that's three month mark. Maybe I'm at a point now where I hopefully you guys are on board. You guys know that uh, I produce a good podcast. I produce some, some decent facilitating and uh, you guys are on board and you want to you want to see exactly what this is. And I think Dave Stewart, Dave the Tank Stewart, Big Dog, that's what he's called in the world, Big Dog Woof, is a uh, a brilliant, brilliant place to start. Because 
anyone who does know Dave, and a lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the wrestlers know Dave, will tell you that he's a uh, he's one of a kind, one of a million character. He's been around, seen a lot, done a lot. Brilliant understanding of uh, of wrestling. Great mind for the business. But he's a storyteller, and he's an absolute. He's an absolute. He's he really is amazing. I really just hope that uh, guys trust me on this. Okay, I've been doing it what three months. Now is a long time, but you guys, you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope I put some good stuff. And uh, I've already recorded this, and trust me, it's a real treat. So yeah, next week we've got Dave the Tank Stewart, and you're not going to want to miss it. Not going to want to miss the big dog on the podcast. Yeah. Definitely, definitely head back next week. Of course, as always, if you have enjoyed the show, please, please jump over to uh, social media, Twitter, Flash underscore Morgan. Use the hashtag Wrestling Friends. Let me know what you thought. Love to see those tweets. Love to see those notifications. Be sure to rate, subscribe, review wherever, wherever you're listening to. I'm going to try to uh, maybe pop the competition up this week. Hopefully get a little bit more time and I can do that. But yeah, of course, please, please do that. Big, big thanks to our sponsor. Big, big thanks to our sponsor, Parts Unknown, because they are helping keeping this podcast free. Big, big thanks to them. So make sure you jump over to partsunknown.co.uk. Use the promo code FLASH10. Get 10% off whatever, whatever. Jimmy Havoc has a brand new exclusive tee on there. So make sure you go over and check that out. Of course, if you're a wrestler, listen to this and think, hell, I'd love to sell some t-shirts, but I've got no money to get any made. you got to spend money to make money. Well, not the case when it comes to Part Unknown. They'll spend the money so you can make the money. Cut you in. They'll do all the hard work. You just plug it. You sell the t-shirts. Easy as pie. So please be sure to jump over to partsunknown.co.uk and check them out because they're lovely people keeping this podcast free. So yeah, fantastic. Of course as well, if you do want to be Band of the Week, like the guys are going to be playing us out, then please be sure to jump over to flashmorganatlive.co.uk and so, you know, send me your information, send me your friends' information, send me whatever. I love you in the bands. It's opening me up to new bands that I've never heard of. Popping them on the old Spotify, popping them on my old iPhone. Will I get money off Apple for that? Plugging the iPhone? I doubt it, but yeah, maybe that. On the iPhones, yeah, popping off this. Please be sure to keep on sending over. Love, love to hear that. So, guys and girls, it's been an absolute blast. Big thanks again to Mark Haskins for being on the show and for his lovely family for opening up their home. As always, a big thanks to our band of the week who's going to be playing us out. This week is a band from South Wales. They just keep coming from South Wales. I don't know why, but we're producing some great music. So yeah, this week's a band from South Wales called The Vos. That's spelled V-O-E-S. You can find them on Twitter at Vos Official and on Facebook and SoundCloud as Vos. They are bloody brilliant and the lead singer, Harriet, has one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. So yeah. As always, thanks for listening. It's always a pleasure, always a treasure. And to play us out is The Vos with their song, Wait. Hope you enjoy. And bye. Thanks for stopping by.
Stay.